Welcome everyone to Group Chat, only on Dash Radio. One, two, three, four, World Station. Every Saturday, 8 to 10 a.m. Pacific, 11 to 1 Eastern. This is Soft Glass. I'm Juwan. This is Jack. Yo me llamo Kev. <laughs> and we'll be right back <laughs> after a quick sound break. Chat, your number one funk station. Station, station, station. You know how it is. <laughs> Dude, that was a uh, that was Neon Indian with Slumlord. Good choice, Juan. Yeah, the ace, tracker, ace yeah. music choice. <laughs> Just to give a little bit of a background, we we all kind of divvy up the music selecting experience. I take it a little more serious. It takes it <laughs> way seriously. Yeah. It's like whenever we're like, all right, Juwan, you pick the music. He's like, all right, guys, I won't let you down. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I've, ever since I let you guys down with that last book club, I had to uh, really step up my game. Oh, man. All right, so, guys, welcome back. How was your week? Kev. My week was pretty hectic, bro. Oh, oh. switching it up. <laughs> Nah, I mean, it, it wasn't, like, <laughs> eventful, but I was trying to get some work done on, like, some late or old projects and just trying to finish them and been editing video, like, all week, more than I 
like to. <laughs> Is there anything you can say about the projects? Oh yeah. Um, well, one not really, but <laughs> <laughs> but one is a uh, work with um Dondre that we've been working for for the nice. Bronx narrative stuff. Shout out to Dondre. This is like the third episode we mentioned Dondre. Yeah, ever since he started. Plug Bronx narratives real quick. Yeah, plug to Dondre and Bronx narratives, it's showcasing a- different perspectives on the Bronx and people and places inside it. Yeah, pretty dope. Check them out. Um. So yeah, working on that, and as I edit, and you know, you gotta render videos and export and all of that stuff, and my computer goes into blow-up mode. So during that, it usually takes like at least an hour, depending like the length. The video I was doing was a little bit over like 10 minutes at the time, so it takes a while to- To like, export, right? Yeah, to like export and all that, and I started playing a game, Guacamelee. I don't know if you guys know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was free on so Xbox good. Live, I think, yeah. last month. Yeah. Or, no, it was free on PlayStation Network a while ago. Yeah, I like, downloaded it for cheap. It was on mm-hmm. sale on Xbox Live. So good. Yeah. I was missing out. It's like a two- or three-year-old game. Yeah. Because it came out for PS3 first. Not but for it's... two- or three-year-olds. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, <maybe>. I mean <laughs> Possibly. It's, it's, how great are 2D platformers? Yeah, it's like a 2D platformer, if you guys kind of like Kind of like Mario, the way that... Yeah, it's kind of like the Castle Crasher game you've been playing, too? Uh, sort of. That one's more of like a beat-em-up. You know Castle Crashers, right? No. No? Check that one out, too. It's it's yeah. a lot like uh, just a it's like the old Ninja Turtle game. It's like the old Ninja ah, Turtles, yeah, Turtles okay, back okay. in time. You like can jump Super in with Nintendo. four players and just go in there. Oh, yeah. Sounds so similar good. to it. How's, how are you enjoying Guacamelee? Oh, I killed it. <laughs> oh, no, I also finished The Soprano. Oh, you finished? Uh, finally. The whole thing or just... Because that's the thing. The first time I was editing the videos and I was like finding something to do while my thing finished. Yeah. I had a few episodes and I like... It was like two episodes left and I killed it. Because the last like two seasons are only like seven or eight episodes long. Oh, okay. Did you... um? What, don't spoil what happens, but did you like the ending? Because I know it's really controversial. It wasn't... <laughs> It's not that bad. Because I remember yeah. it, too. Like, once I saw it, I was like, oh, so this is what people kept talking about. Right. It's not too bad. It, it's not, like, it, I guess what people could hate about it is that you don't, they don't tell you exactly what happens or what. Yeah, it's open-ended. Yeah, it's really yeah. open-ended. And people, a lot of people hate that. It, they call yeah. it cheap. Like, they didn't want to. We want answers. Right. Make a hard decision, yeah. but it, it wasn't that bad. I like the series overall. Yeah. Now, speaking of TV, I'll tell you guys a little bit about my week. Ooh. Tell us about that. Well, House of Cards just came out, and I have been watching that. I'm going to be busy and, next week. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so good. It's so much better than last season. Like I, season we talked about season three being like whatever. Mm-hmm. Season four is so good. It's it like, should be. Like, I... I think I mentioned before I don't like seeing trailers and stuff like that. But the other day, what was it? I was watching something. Oh, I think it was the the Oscars. Yeah. And they showed a clip, and I'm like, fuck, I didn't want to see that. <laughs> yeah. But what I saw, and I was like, dude, that looks so good. I can't wait to watch it. It's so good. Like, that tension is back. Because season three just felt like... It just felt flat. Like, it just felt like there were never heavy heavy stakes it was just like but i think it was like all setting up yeah big time because season four is just like really satisfying and it's like the direction is 
Oh my god, the direction is great. Like the way they direct. Is it a scenes. different director again? Every uh, yeah, episode, have, like last. Uh, I think season. there's like a few different ones that kind of yeah. go through the the season, but the direction is so good. The way they play with time, like they'll do. Obviously, again, I won't spoil anything, but they'll do things with time where they'll show you a scene and you don't really you don't really realize like chronologically where, where, that, scene takes where place. that scene takes place and then things happen and then it goes back to that scene with context mm. and oh, then it's awesome. just like oh shit like that's why that that's why everyone was acting that way that's great storytelling no it's so yeah. good and they'll do things where there's like a lot of parallels where two different people are having like for example frank will like be prepping claire yeah, for, yeah what? no no i'm not oh, again I, i'm not I, ruining <laughs> anything but they'll, she'll be like prepping claire for like an interview or something you know or like a speech and it'll show a clip of them like practicing it and then it'll cut between that and then her giving the speech or That's her awesome. doing uh, the yeah, interview so it also it, helps with the pacing too of the show no the imagine. pacing is great yeah. the, each episode's like 40 something minutes and mm-hmm. it goes by like a flash it's and crazy every second is like meaningful yeah. and powerful and the cinematography is amazing this season mm-hmm. like incredible but yeah I've been watching that oh, I've been, uh, yeah and then one other thing, I released like this sound pack of. That's right. Yeah, so. Yeah, different drum samples. So, like, if you're a producer, you know that drum samples are like crack. <laughs> like, I've always been obsessed with downloading different drum samples. So, I decided to release my own. So, a bunch of the drums that I've either, either played in sessions or have like tweaked and used in my own songs, I just put them in, in a bundle. And then I also included a bunch of. Uh, unreleased tracks like this was and this is before I knew Kendrick was doing the same thing so as soon as I like he announced it, I was like oh my god come on <laughs> it's gonna seem like I'm biting so hard but no I all the tracks that didn't make uh the EP I released last year I just put them on there hey um, man if you're gonna bite bite from the best this is true this if is- you have to bite <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't biting but um and then I I made these like original ringtones and text tones you just set them as your alert on your phone yeah. and i just that's my favorite part yeah because <laughs> i'm not i'm not a producer so yeah. those are things that i'm definitely going to use and things that anyone in the tech community like those are just yeah. those little guilty pleasures i think i'm gonna keep doing it too it was yeah. fun it, it was so quick oh, like sure, it's just yeah. sounds i use for production i just made like text tones out of it um and then one, one more thing oh um, all of uh, my remixes that soundcloud took down mm-hmm. included in the pack too. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, I released that and been working on the new project and blah blah blah. That was <laughs> that was my week. Cool man. What are you up to, Jack? Uh, <clears throat> mostly working, but also on Tuesday, my my boss's partner is a member of this board at MoMA, and sometimes they go to these like events that are like curatorial walks in people's houses and stuff. And so my boss's partner was away, so he took me, and it was at this loft in on like 15th Street, this crazy apartment with super crazy views of the Empire State Building and stuff. Oh, that's and dope. The art was it was art. <laughs> I, I was more impressed by the apartment. Well, that was the art, right? To me, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that was interesting, and like the people from the other board were there and stuff, but that was all right. And then 
I saw Room this week. Oh, also. you did? I mean, yeah. Oh, I, I, finally. I think I'm the last one here who hasn't seen it. Kevin, no, I haven't. Seen? I was about to, like, yesterday. Okay, cool. So, it's for Kevin and I, what, what were your just really quick impressions mm-hmm. of the movie? You should see it. Okay, Ooh, cool. That's Ooh. all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, and, perfect. But I'm excited to discuss it once you guys do. Yeah, that'll be on the book club for episode 30. <laughs> yeah, whenever it comes, <laughs> when it comes out on Netflix. Very cool. Dope, yeah. man. What about you, John? Uh, I actually had a really eventful week, but it was all very work-related, just kind of meeting deadlines and stuff. Again, a blast. Um, but as far as my personal life, I don't know, I started coming down with something during the weekend, just kind of laid around, and my Netflix list just got so much shorter. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the original Batman 89? Like the 89? 89? The Tim Burton one? Really good. Yeah. Better than, I think, The Dark Knight Rises for me. Yeah. Especially in terms of aesthetic and all that stuff that uh, Tim Burton and Tim Burton's notoriously known for. Like building worlds. Yeah. He built Gotham. And Michael Keaton is awesome. Yeah. And the take they had on Bruce Wayne and Batman it was just really interesting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that one goes toe-to-toe with Rises for me, what I think is the weakest one of Nolan's films, but... Who was the villain in that one? The, the Joker? Joker? Yeah. Uh, was, uh, different origin story. Yeah. A, even that? different from the comics. Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson? Jack yeah. Nicholson. Uh, who who yeah. killed it, too. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, I don't know, man. Just We're getting haircuts today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On Sunday, getting that Sunday haircut. It's it. about time. When your hair is twice as long as, like, your forehead. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you got to get a cut. Um, but just a really chill week. I'm excited to get started. We got a lot to talk about today. Oh yeah, big yeah. time. And one last note, one movie I seen that I didn't mention. I saw it the other week. It's called Now and Then. It's from like '95, and it mostly takes place during these girls' like childhood in 1970. And there's one point where they're riding their bikes and they're playing the song from the radio. And I really like the song. And then I was asking my dad if he knew it. And he's like, oh, yeah, that guy performed at this park right near us like two years ago. I was like, oh, wow. wow. That's awesome. That's crazy. Who was, do you know who it was? Yeah. So I'll, we'll play it right now. Oh, oh awesome. perfect. Ooh. It's Tony Orlando and Don. The song's called Knock Three Times. Awesome. Awesome. Speaking of girls in a park, catch <laughs> girls tonight. <laughs> uh, episode three no, of season. Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, Sunday night. You'll have already watched it by then. So far, the first two episodes have been great. I just had to plug that in real quick. <laughs> yeah, make sure you catch Girls and Adam Driver, who was in Star Wars. All right, so we'll be, uh, we'll be right back after a quick song break on Group Chat. Meet me in the hallway. Oh, twice on the pipe. 
Chat, everyone, your number one Tony Orlando and Don tribute station. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so the Oscars happened. Yep. Finally, been we've actually been looking forward to talking about the Oscars, but we've wanted to not really talk about it until they happened, so Ex- we could have because we already a, talked about it a bit, like, yeah. a few episodes ago. Yeah. Every week we were just like, should we talk about you know the Oscars and who we think? No, let's just let's just react. So here we are reacting. <laughs> so, Why <laughs> were the Oscars so long? They're always right? long. They're no. always long. Yeah, Juwan had to go to bed. He was doing dishes for a while, yeah. and then he had dishwasher. to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing the dishwasher dishes. man hits it again. <laughs> Seriously though, I was doing dishes at like eleven thirty, and the Oscars and it was were still the, going no. On. The thing is, like, you know, when you look at it in the cable box or whatever, it tells you from. This time to this time. Yeah, yeah. What time did it say? It said to eleven. Mm. I see the clock. I wasn't watching it, and it was like ten forty, ten something. I'm like, oh, I'll put it now because it's when the good award happens, which is yeah. like the best director, or best, best film. actor. Yeah. And let me play it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Gaga hadn't performed yet. Yeah. Mine said eleven thirty. I think. No, mine said like eleven, which is crazy, but it went pretty long. It I went remember till like midnight. It yeah. ended, and it was like midnight. It yeah. was around midnight. Yep. So it did go pretty long. But I was actually, like, kind of okay with a lot of the winners. Like, mm-hmm. I, was, I wasn't I was really outraged. I was, like, expecting to be outraged all night. And Mad Max kept winning. And yeah. I was like, oh, Swept, that's dope. Like, yeah. so much. And yeah. then Ex Machina. Uh, won six, right? Mad Max? Yeah. Won six. And I was cool was with everything that it won. Yeah. Same. Same. <laughs> Mostly costume and production yeah, it was like and makeup and stuff. Well, sounds, the technical sound stuff. Well, I've got I've got a little bit of beef with uh, <laughs> with a film that didn't win. Uh, that Mad Max just kind of kind of swept. I thought Star Wars could have won <laughs> at least one of those categories. Seriously though, come on, sound effects. I would have not been surprised if Star Wars would have won. Sound. Star Star Wars did have pretty incredible sound, and when we watched it, 
we came away from the theater talking about like I never talked yeah. about sound, but we were we were talking we about were how the about it sound and the subtleties in this like quote unquote blockbuster film. Yeah, the, the attention to detail that was do in the sound in Star Wars. It has anything to do with like the fact that I think they've always had great sound, even from like probably their first film. They probably had like the best sound at the time. I think Mad did. Max had more style with their sound. It was True. more more of a character yeah. in the movie. As opposed to Star Wars, it's just so well known that maybe yeah, exactly. ingrained. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. But other than that, I'm, if if it couldn't go to Star Wars, it should go to Mad Max. Another one was costume design that I thought Star Wars, but I could totally see how Mad Max <laughs> could beat that out. Yeah, Mad, Mad Max, Max is deserved just one of it. A kind. Mad Max deserved that. Yeah, like, they really. I mean, they they killed it. Mad Max, like just visually and aesthetically, is just like a it's a whole world. And then I was really happy with Ex Machina winning yeah uh what they got uh visual effects um, yeah which i was really surprised by but really happy about because it is so subtle like the visual effects in that movie yeah they just you don't i even think f- that's that's the whole point right yeah you know? <laughs> that's why they won because it was so integrated right but it could have gone to something that was just like, like star wars blatantly no, like over the top but right that no, was but I, yeah just i think it's a testament to how yeah. well yeah. they did it yeah because it, because you don't even think about it while you're watching the movie, which is amazing. It's a huge plot point too. Like, what is fake and what is real? Right. The CGI. Yeah. Had to be on point for that underlying theme to get across. Yeah. What did you, uh, what did you guys take away from? It? Yeah, I was excited that Lubeski won best cinematography for the third year in a row. I mean, I'm not like a humongous fan of him, but just as a way to progress for cinematographers in general yeah and like he got the variety magazine cover afterwards too yeah and this made him the eighth to win three total oscars so far wow people who have done it before include like freddie young who did lawrence of arabia conrad hall who did american beauty which we talked about before Uh, and this other guy robert richardson who did the hateful eight who was also nominated and he's won before for like hugo and the aviator and stuff and only two cinematographers have ever won four so we'll see if he this guy gets might that. break everything who's the other one deacon for four yeah no the the ones for four were leon shamroy who did cleopatra and joseph ruddenberg who did Gigi. okay oh Oh, Gigi. Yeah. Not Gigi Lee. No. Okay. <laughs> I was like, alright, the Jennifer Lopez movie. <laughs> I, was like, I don't remember that movie having incredible cinematography. And and also with The Revenant, Inaratu won. Yep. For back to back for the first time in 65 years. Best like, director. That someone won Best Director back to back. So that was pretty cool. That's too. insane. Like, yep. Mex- Mexicans are really, like, running this. Because the year before. Um, what was it, Birdman? It was Gravity, yep. Yep. which was another Mexican director. I forgot his name. Yeah. But it's insane. Yeah, man. Should have went to school over there or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ennio Morricone, who did the score for The Hateful Eight, finally yeah. won an Oscar, which is crazy because... Mm. I don't think this was talked about enough. He's done like over 500 films and yeah. like over 70 have won awards, but 
He got like an honorary Oscar before, but this was the first time he actually won. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he got that honorary one in 2007, but this was the first time he actually won. That's amazing. For a movie. You could see the reception. Like when he won, everybody gave him a huge standing ovation. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. And he's like 87 years old. Yeah. yeah. So it's amazing yeah. to see that. And he's done like for like, I'd say our audience is probably more towards the younger side and he's done a bunch of stuff with Tarantino mm-hmm. so you might have seen his work in that he did stuff for Django right yep, yep. and Inglorious Bastards yep. and Kill Bill all that yeah. and he worked a lot with Sergio Leone which yep. was kind of where he got his break and I was looking at an interview he did too and he said they asked him like how did like how did you become a film composer and he said when I was young I started working as an orchestrator and arranger for pop songs for radio and TV and then all of a sudden like a filmmaker asked him to compose music for a movie and that was just how it started wow and he said that all that stuff definitely helped him because it all kind of informed his work going forward and even this, I was mentioning Sergio Leone and in the interview they asked him was he aware that he was like breaking the tradition of scoring western movies by using whistling and electric guitars and voices and choirs and he said no he didn't realize he was bringing like a musical revolution people just told him later on and yeah. i think it's just a testament to like just following your instinct and right. not being afraid to break new ground you know right that's amazing that's a, that's the dream yeah <laughs> that's my dream <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> Oh man. And then But to keep it with the revenant, Leo won. Leo got it. Finally. Leo finally got it. A great meme died. Yeah. <laughs> but many Was it more, worth it guys? But many more were born though. Yeah. 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 I feel like a lot of people were saying that he he this was probably like the least deserving role mm-hmm. that he finally won for. Like He's had a lot better roles. I'd probably agree. But it was just a compilation of his work. Yeah, I felt like this was like a mm-hmm. lifetime achievement. And also work. look at the people he was competing against. I feel like he he's, he was still... Like a down year. You can still yeah, make yeah. the argument that this wasn't the best performance. I've seen... I saw a lot of the other performers. I, I still have yet to see The Revenant, so I can't say. But from what I hear, he, he did his thing. It was Leo doing his thing. Yeah, Jack, Jack you brought something up really mm-hmm. interesting... I don't remember when we were talking about this, but you basically said that it was, well, maybe it wasn't even you. Maybe I'm just making this up. But (laughs) uh, the fact that they were out in the cold and it was, they were in the elements, like the way that they were, made it almost easier to act because they don't have to act cold. They don't have to act, you know, you know, scared or hungry. Like this is, a lot of it is coming from the environment that they're in. Mm -hmm. So it's almost easier to act in that position so and i say all that not to demean leo's win because i was the first one that was like jumping out of joy when he won it but it's just really funny how everything works like he has to know that it's almost like he did this he put himself through what he put himself through for the oscar at this point and he's i don't know i I loved him in Wolf of Wall Street. 
Like I thought he killed it in Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved him. in Django. He was insanely, yeah, was insanely incredible in Django. Um, but I'm glad he finally got one. Like he got, he got the one that he was chasing for so long. Yeah, the one that he arguably physically worked the hardest for. Physically, at this point, yeah. just forget it. Forget my talent. <laughs> I just, I'm gonna physically get that Oscar no matter what. Was anyone else upset with his, uh, his speech? No. no. I actually read an article. I didn't read an article. I actually saw Grace uh, Randolph, Rudolph, Grace from, yeah, from Beyond the Trailers. Beyond the Trailers. Made a really good point that she was really upset with Leo's speech because he was still there was still that wall that he, he it was all very planned out and very thoughtful and there wasn't much emotion to it and he didn't let anyone really in and she says that that's always been the knock on him that he's very suave and he's always well prepped for everything as he always is and what we love him for but he's been planning this speech since he started you know I know but there was there wasn't that moment of like I've worked so hard for this And this is finally happening. Never once did he say any of that. Instead, he turned the attention to a great cause, which was the global warming and all of that, which, by the way, there's also an article out that his uh, commute to the Oscars, he took his private jet and apparently (laughs) polluted the shit out of it, which is is funny. I mean, whatever. Uh, But but his speech, I, I did feel it was very... I got the Oscar now. Let me bring attention to something else. And I would have loved to see him kind of bring that wall down a little bit and see something a little less scripted. And I know that's strictly personal. Yeah, I know. But it's but a that's short always window, been... too. Hmm? It's a short window. Yeah. And it happens fast. So I don't know. But, but, but a lot like, of people ignored the music. They didn't and... give him. Yeah, they didn't cue the music for him at all, supposedly. I don't know. I didn't really go back to see if it actually happened. Yeah. But yeah. Yo, Grace is the worst. I'm sorry, man. See, like, <laughs> what kind of criticism is that? Yeah, like, he didn't. It wasn't. It criticize. wasn't a knock. It was. It was more. I thought of it as like a note. Like, I, I really enjoyed it, but there was nothing that he won the Oscar. But there wasn't. And she also thought that the Oscars lacked moments. Yeah, in terms of a I lot just, of great things happened, a lot of great wins. But that speech that he gave wasn't really a I just, great speech. If we're judging it off the merit of a speech alone, I don't know why not. Though I hate. I hate the fact that like people feel like they should have any sort of say on like how other especially celebrities you know react and feel like how how are you gonna knock like oh he didn't show enough like you don't know what he's feeling at that point and not only that but he doesn't have to show you what he's feeling of course it's a it's an award show it's like a professional environment it's not like like he can go home that night and go crazy he can cry he can laugh he can so i I, like it's not he doesn't owe it to viewers to like show emotion you know and i just again that's like for all the i don't know that's just i don't know that's kind of crazy to me i couldn't imagine somebody like i couldn't imagine putting in all that work like consciously thinking okay i'm gonna use this platform to like talk about something important yeah and then somebody critiquing me for being like not for not crying <laughs> yeah, or some yeah. shit you know to be I fair agree. it's youtube not yet star <laughs> yeah. yeah um but i thought that was really interesting as far as kind mm-hmm. of the just that take on on something yeah. that everyone was just kind of like sigh of relief yeah um what about um brie larson also won she real, did which she is did cool. win. She deserved it, man. I felt like this year was the year of 
the underdogs. Like, I just, I really felt like a bunch of underdogs won. Ex Machina was an underdog. Brie yeah. Larson was an underdog. Room was a tiny movie. Like, Room was not a huge, you know, it, it didn't, a lot of people didn't see it. And mm-hmm. the, when she won, I was genuinely surprised. And I was really happy for her because she deserved it. Also, the little boy came out with Agu from Beast of Nation, yeah. which is cool. They've been hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> like Hollywood has been like kind of coupling them up together and being like, "Yo, these kids have been killing it." The they should. Yeah. They both should have been nominated, though. They should have, yeah. but they had just spent that whole week winning other awards too. Right. Like, um, what's his name? Abraham. Abraham Atu. Abraham yeah, Atu. Yeah, he had just won at uh the spirit awards or something like that yeah like yeah that week and uh jacob tremblay tremblay had just won a bunch of awards as well so they're getting their due like yeah i saw like abrams i ran into like his instagram oh yeah me too this dude is Last having week, so yeah. much fun yo he's yeah. like he's everywhere having the time of his life yeah it like, really it's good to see brings so much warmth to my heart when i see that and then the comment section of people just like supporting him and Everyone i checked out their him, profiles yeah. and it's like people where he's from like yeah he's just representing and mm-hmm. like it's amazing it's, it's so it's so great what do yeah. you guys think of chris rock's yeah. opening monologue um i actually i'm so i missed it and then i rewatched it after the oscars mm-hmm. and then um i mean i don't know it was almost like I, it was kind of what i expected he took obviously but what was so funny to me was like all the people in the audience who he's talking to (laughs) and about like all laughing along and be like they didn't know what to how to react yeah they're just (laughs) it was was like the the reaction from the crowd at the grammys when like kendrick was performing yeah just like that shot of the white crowd just like looking (laughs) they were just like terrified um yeah, it was the same thing. But what, I, don't, I don't think he went that far. I don't think so. Either. I think, I think it was pretty. I think he went far enough. Yeah, I thought he was pandering. A I think there less. was room, yeah, for him to. Yeah. Go. It was weird. It was like he was. It was a parody of someone knocking on white people. Like he wasn't actually knocking on the Oscars for not nominating people. He was like joking it's about knocking on people. Who was, yeah, like it's something right? that he could have done at a stand-up, like and not yeah. gotten shit for. And it, he did it very lightly, but he didn't stop doing it. So mm-hmm. I guess that's the important thing. He just kept bringing attention to it throughout the entire show, but it was all very light and yeah, there fun. Was, there's some weird, like, Asian-directed jokes in there that were, like, really <laughs> tone deaf. Did you guys catch that? Like, I don't even know. If I didn't did. catch it in the moment, but I saw after stuff about it. Yeah, it's just it weird. weird. Like, it just came out of left field, and it's like, it's just kind of, like, I don't know, tasteless. Like, yeah. And the, and then it kept going like somebody else made a joke about it somebody else made a joke about i don't know it was just weird like, zero asians were nominated for awards <laughs> yeah it's like why do people Let's still think that, that it's guys. like okay to like bash yeah on just go in the other people. direction yeah like and like, also with with this whole like racial thing with the oscars jj abrams who did star wars star wars everybody we're gonna have like four or five references by the end of the show <laughs> he said that he said this week that the Oscar issue was symptomatic of a problem. It wasn't the problem itself. And that the Oscars are the last stop on the train. The first stop is what gets made. Yeah. And we've talked about before how the Oscars influence what gets made. But what do you guys think about that quote? I mean, it just goes back to what Joan had brought up a few episodes back about how 
it is a systematic problem that has, you know, that starts from the very beginning, from the writing of the characters. Right. That then get casted, you know. Yeah, it's the casting that, process. It's the, the casting process, process, the writing process, process, the money yeah. process. There was... Uh, who's gonna sell like what whose face can you put on a poster um, all that stuff and yeah. with that J.J. Abrams also sent out a memo this week of a new policy at his production company which is Bad Robot and it basically requires that any lists of writers directors actors and others to be considered for a project should be representative of the country we live in and that he wants to also nice. diversify the staff working at his company mm. and he sent out that memo to like all the studios and agents and stuff so nice good who knows what it'll do but it, it's a good step yeah at least he's trying something yeah, yeah. there was um there was did you guys see that john oliver uh piece where it's called how is this still a thing and it was about like whitewashing in hollywood did you guys see that no no and you can check it out everybody should go youtube john oliver whitewashing Hollywood or whatever and uh, basically it's a, it's a short little segment talking about how as much as people want to complain about the Oscars being so white and the awards not going to anyone but the white people and then the counter argument for that was oh well there are no good roles for people of color Yeah. basically it was just <laughs> it was like shitting on that notion by saying that there are good roles for people of color they're still just given to white people. Right. Yeah. And like, they're just like, whether it's, you know, Gods of Egypt <laughs> or like, which is a blockbuster film or like, you know, they, it brought up a whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of examples of white actors playing either Asian, like we had mentioned with the, the Hawaiian movie where, what's her name? Uh, Emma Stone played. Oh, that's right. Half, that's right. Uh, half, yeah, Aloha. Emma Stone, Emma Stone played, played like uh, a half Asian <laughs> woman. Yeah. To all the way She's back. She's openly joked about that. Yeah, but yeah. but it just brings up all these Still, examples yeah. of like people who are just absolutely cast for people of colors as roles. Um, and then they brought up a quote from Ridley Scott saying that basically they do that because nobody wants he and it was a really really like up quote because it was uh for one of his movies set in uh the desert i forget which movie of his it was not mars no not mars okay <laughs> no um but it was uh a quote where he said where they asked him like why did you cast these uh, british actors as who are like as these people who are i think they're like middle eastern characters and he was like well nobody wants to budget like pay for a movie starring muhammad such and such oh my god which was like the most i mean which is ridiculous so painfully true, it's though. so but but then they were just like oh yeah totally ridley scott people you're so right that's yeah. why you cast this no-name british actor <laughs> who was like not even like a, a big actor so it was like all right so you cast a no-name john you know yeah so that's crazy though that the process goes back to like, if you want to look at even before the screenwriting process, right? Let's go all the way back. It just goes to the audience, too. Like, what do you watch? And money talks. And, like, what do you spend your money on? And that's like, why they write those films for that. It, it's just this... It's cycle, a vicious cycle. It's, it's a vicious, it's a vicious cycle, cycle. cycle. Who do you blame? And then let's just 
just blame everyone because and that's why this is so good with with jj abrams yeah because it is a systematic change you know also one other award show thing that is not as important a thing to change as like the ratio stuff but it's still a good thing is that the emmys announced that they're gonna add a short form series for like youtube shows and stuff like that and basically <laughs> there cool. are four drop four genres for comedy drama variety and then reality and animation and the rules are that they must have at least six episodes and last 15 minutes or less and basically they're just trying to embrace that you know digital creators are making as good stuff that's awesome but the only thing is that <laughs> it's not going to be awarded at the actual emmys it's going to be handed out like a week before at some other thing but yeah it's a start yeah it's a start. this is a great segue to some big news we've got we want to announce our new youtube show one two three four group chat <laughs> youtube station every episode's going to be 15 minutes long and there are only going to be six of them <laughs> we're just fishing for the emmy at this point yeah we're just trying to win, we're trying to win some awards guys where are the awards for best talk show on soundcloud by on dash radio <laughs> by one two three four specific, like. anyway let's go to a song break be right back group chat everything is good and brown i'm here again with a sunshine smile upon my face my friends are close at hand Everything is good 
Welcome back to Group Chat, everyone. Your number one acid jazz and soul station. That was Jamiroquai with Space Cowboy. Jack, I know uh, you got some news for us. Yeah, just a couple last things in the TV movie world. AMC is buying Carmike Cinemas for $737 million. Easy. But with like, <laughs> with shares and debt stuff, it's valued at around like a little over a billion. <laughs> and basically, with that, they're going to become the country's largest chain with over 600 theaters. They weren't already? I thought they were. Wow. Yeah. I mean, crazy. I would have guessed, but... there's wow. and now they definitely are. There's actually a Carmike by my grandma's house in indiana that we go to a lot so. not anymore <laughs> <laughs> they go in it's like the, they just destroy it with the big ball what's it called <laughs> just, you guys are about to walk in they are oh, pulling pulling <laughs> beep beep the big ball and chain and just why wouldn't they just change the sign i don't know it's just, <laughs> they gotta probably be easier probably, probably. <laughs> and then also speaking of theaters a new independent one just opened in New York this week called the Metrograph. Great timing. And it's a two-screen theater that also has a bar, restaurant, and a bookstore. Ooh. And one Where's, the- Where is it? In the Lower East Side. Oh, cool. One theater holds 175 people, the other just 50. And they show like a mix of old and new movies. Like the first night, they showed Taxi Driver classic by scorsese and the purple rose of cairo by woody allen both great movies so it's going to be interesting to see how they progress and it's it's good that people still have that belief in cinema as like a social outing yeah and i've thought about the idea before of doing like a movie theater that shows like old movies too like how i do this project cinemisto plug and i've thought about like way down the road but like having that be a movie theater where all those types of movies are shown so yeah it's that'd be amazing i'm glad that someone else is kind of picking up the baton yeah and starting it already movie theaters are that's such an interesting development especially in 2016 how there's no middle ground anymore you're just gonna have amz and then very small indie movie theaters yeah Mm -hmm. that's basically what it's looking like and then kind of transitioning slash staying in film the short film for good kid mad city leaked online after it had premiered last year in like the spring at mocha in la the museum of contemporary art yeah so we all saw it what did you guys think it was so good i like loved every single shot in there because it was like how the movie is composed or put together is that like it's just a bunch of like random compton or la shots and mostly compton yeah mostly compton but so good really captured the aesthetic yeah they didn't miss anything i don't think and for those who don't know or haven't seen it basically it has clips from kendrick's album good kid mad city Mm -hmm. and just has it's very sporadic in how it's composed Mm -hmm. and the aspect ratios constantly change Mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting it's very unsettling but also consistent who directed it khalil joseph yep and uh he had done one of my favorite music videos slash short films uh which was until the quiet comes 
by Flying Lotus. And to this day, I still love, love that video. And while I was watching the short film, I didn't know that Kilio had directed it. And I kept thinking like, oh my God, this is so familiar to me. Like something about the aesthetic and what he always does is he, he mixes gritty realism mm -hmm. with surrealism in a really cool way where that line between reality and kind of like this dreamlike state is blurred. And uh, I don't know, I felt like while I was watching it, it was just, it was giving me like the perfect backdrop to Good Kid Mad City. Like mm -hmm. I can finally see the album, which was something I always wanted. Cause I, I don't know, that album for me is so kind of all over the place sonically. So I always kind of lack that, like, cause I can see To Pimp a Butterfly through like the, the artwork and the storytelling and, story and I can see it. Like I can, I can feel To Pimp a Butterfly, but with Good Kid, I always kind of lack that, that visual aspect. And also to me, Kendrick's videos have always been so disappointing in terms of their quality and the music's quality. You know? Right. Before, until recently. Right. Recently. They've gotten better. They have gotten way better. Yeah. But even this was like far better than any of them to me in terms mm -hmm. of how it represented. And it was funny too, because basically when Good Kid Mad City came out, Khalil wanted to work with Kendrick and he wrote three treatments for three different songs and they were all rejected. And wow. then when Kendrick went on tour with Kanye for the Yeezus tour, they needed video projections. So that's when they approached them. And then when the shows were done, he basically edited all the footage and compiled it into that. Wow. Which, oh, wow. And it's the film is called Mad in the style of uh, how the album does it, which yeah. is like the M dot capital A dot capital A dot D. Right. So that was that was cool. And also I was looking at some like background info on him which was interesting and basically he was born in 81 and he grew up in seattle and his mom's a teacher his dad's a lawyer and his brother's a fine artist and he worked at the director's bureau which is like a pretty famous commercial and music video production company and he was an editor for terrence malick too oh wow. and then so basically and he wanted to go to film school but he didn't get in anywhere so he studied art at Loyola Marymount University and he basically like learned about different ideas like one they cited was the importance of specific specific specificity, specificity. yeah correct yeah. <laughs> and he wanted to make music videos while he was at the director's bureau but he was told he never would so he developed his own approach and Ooh. This is where it's gotten him. And he's done a bunch of stuff for other artists as well. Wow. Yeah, something I had... Uh, and real quick, this is something else that I had read as far as Khalil's ideology. He, had, he was quoted saying that uh, he looked up to Stanley Kubrick for the power of his editing. Because Kubrick was the master of the edit. I mean, one of like the the greatest edits of all time like symbolic edits is in 2001 space odyssey where you know it's the uh the bone being thrown in the air and then it cuts to the uh, space station in space uh spinning in the same way and so i mean that edit is just so powerful because it you know gives a parallel between how 
a human tool has evolved, but at the end of the day, it's still a tool. Um, so he, he really looks up to that and you can see how he uses editing in a really powerful way in the video from all of the aspect ratio stuff and then kind of cutting between the different aspect ratios. I think the aspect ratio changed very rhythmically. It was like every three cuts it would change because I kept counting it. It was like every three to five cuts, the aspect ratio would change. And then he would mix in really long takes, like the take of uh, them in the car during the freestyle mm -hmm. and where like it you know, spins around yeah. in the car, which is an amazing shot. Yeah. And it's a really long take. And then he would mix that in with like the really short kind of home video takes. Um, yeah, I mean, and the colors were great. And then I love like the color theory in it. I yeah. don't know if you guys noticed, yeah. like, you know, Kendrick's always been about bringing like the red and the blue together mm -hmm. as far as gangs and the whole culture in Compton. And in the video, the red and the blue is separated a lot early in the video. And then towards the end, you can see red and blue in the same shot a lot more like as the video goes on, mm -hmm. um, which I thought was dope. I don't know. What do you think, Juan? Um, first of all, I love hearing that somebody like when when some of the people who make awesome stuff didn't get into film school. I don't know about yeah. you guys, but that always <laughs> inspires me. Like that's the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Um, I've I watched it twice. The first time I watched it with Joao, we caught wind of he's dropping a project tonight, which we're going to talk to in a little bit. So my mind was just kind of on that, and, and you were doing dishes enough, too. I was also I was literally you were, I was you really, were really doing <laughs> dishes. I swear he was doing dishes when I was watching it for the first time. So I wasn't really that into it. I was just kind of coming back and forth, and then I watched it on my own time, and I really appreciated it. But it was just it was great. I just wish we got it a while ago. Yeah, and I'm I'm confused as to why we didn't. The, the story behind that and and i don't know but i'm glad we did and again kendrick is just and i don't even know. his unreleased stuff is still did we better actually than get anything. it or it was just leaked no it's leaked yeah so we haven't even really some of the it. best stuff we've gotten <laughs> in 2016 is leaked that kanye all day video was a leak too mm -hmm. you can't find it anymore had one of the best songs that never came out ever and it was unreleased for for yay in my opinion or at least one of the most vulnerable but getting back to kendrick i enjoyed it I, mm -hmm. you know, I echo everything you guys say. It felt like it had a weight, and there are a lot of videos now that just feel flat to me, mm. and it just felt really textured, and you yeah. just felt it. I was telling Jack, it was there were just like how he uses like space in the video was crazy, like all of the different perspective shots from him looking up like at the church you know from like the camera looking straight up and you see like the blue sky and then the white uh church pillars and then there were some shots where they were almost like wes anderson style mm -hmm. flat shots you know where it was very symmetrical and very f just on one axis but then it would cut straight to a shot where like the little girl in the, in, uh, in the church and the shot is like this like angled like long mm -hmm, shot mm -hmm. and it, it just shows so much depth and dimension but yeah i mean then there was like a bunch of dope stuff like the guy hanging from the street light mm -hmm. yeah that so was good. crazy yeah yeah and then obviously that same night he dropped a surprise ep yep should we untitled play it? and unmastered should we play a song from it first before we go into it yeah let's do it be right back on group chat 
perfect supernatural forces dominate what I see. A Gemini duality, personalities always conflicted. Me. But don't be scared of me, girl. I can't explain. I know it's for it to you. I know it's hard to believe. God, give me the favor. And I can't explain. More than a couple of minutes. And I can be some assistance. Let me show you how I can explain. Oh, I shine, though. I spend about two times. I'll be there with the answer. material station yeah. that was kendrick lamar with untitled six off of his recent ep uh untitled unmastered which came out of nowhere this week yeah or last week depending on when you're listening true, true or true, if true, you're true. listening a year from now a year <laughs> and a week ago oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah what'd you guys think about it so far i've only done one listen of the whole thing, and let's just say um, it stumps the life of Pablo. <laughs> <laughs> Immediate shade thrown. 
Yeah, that was too quick. Maybe I should have. Kanye burned a lot of people, man. <laughs> no, man, I was trying so hard, like, the whole time I was listening. I was like, oh, God, don't compare it to Kanye. Don't compare it to Kanye. And then I compared it to Kanye. Because <laughs> it is so good. It's so good. And it's so funny how it's, like, blatantly called Untitled Unmastered. Mm-hmm. With the dates and everything. With the dates and everything. And he, like, said, hey, this isn't mastered or anything. Whereas Kanye is like, this album is one of the greatest albums of all time. <laughs> and then it sounds way more incomplete yep. than Kendrick's <laughs> album. That's crazy, right? But like, anyway, yeah. aside from <laughs> Kanye comparisons, what do you guys think of just, like, the material itself? Uh, let me just go on one more comparison. <laughs> and just say that it's for me I guess this is the material stuff but this is the best project from 2016 so far for me especially for music it trumps anything that's come out this year for me personally and it is just like the scraps from 2014 and 2013 and 2013 yeah which is insane mm-hmm. but other than that it's great it's exactly what I wanted all of these songs that we've been hearing and perform live mm-hmm. and killing live we finally got the CD quality of them and it's unmastered, but the mixing's actually the mixing's pretty pretty dope. It's listenable. Uh, that was something I was a little worried about when the title came out. I was like, I, I was telling Joao, I'm not giving anyone no passes this year. It's, it's like a, not an iPhone voice memo. Yeah, it's That's like Joao was, he was like on the toilet. Like, <laughs> Joao was worried you were gonna hear like someone knocking on the door, eating in the background. I was like, like dude, that's not what unmastered means. <laughs> I'm just so paranoid now. After again, Life of Pablo or anything else that has ever come out that isn't. I could say I, I had like some thoughts like that. A little, just I don't a little know bit of paranoia. Right? That much. So yeah, when you read the words unmastered and unfinished and like unreleased you think oh is this not yeah his best or i didn't have any of that i think just because i have such high expectations for kendrick and i know that he always sets the bar high so it didn't even cross my mind that it would be some crappy low quality thing you know so i used to think that of kanye sorry (laughs) no man it's real yo it's real you can't You can't, I mean, Kanye set himself up for comparisons. It's not like we're doing anything sure. crazy by comparing them. And like, this, this is the game. Like, this is the hip-hop world. We're going to say the same thing when Dre comes out with they, that him and 40 have been sleeping in the studio or whatever. We're going to compare that to this, too. Because that's what you do when someone has the throne. And we'd be talking about it. That's and, true. You compare you know, it to everyone. Yeah. So that's just... That's just the nature of, of music, the, the music industry and the movie industry and whatever. We just finished talking about an award show for Grand Island, the, the mm-hmm. Oscars. and just, the, just comparing. Just, <laughs> which is just comparing art, which is yeah. bogus, but that's another. In terms of the songs, though, I felt like... So some of these, for those who don't know, he performed previous times on like late night shows. And on those performances... I felt like the energy was super high and some of these they were the same tracks but you know he was saying them in a different way in a more low-key way which wasn't bad like it wasn't like badly done but I missed some of the energy from the performances even though that it's cohesive like the whole album is kind of laid back but I did miss some of that energy and I liked it, but it did... I don't know how much replay value it has for me. Like, how much I'll listen back to it. 
Yeah, well, Jack, just to your point about the energy and whatnot, I feel like anytime you get a live version of a song first, it's going to happen. That's yeah. going to happen. I mean, it happened with All Day. I was with just going to say all day. yeah, if we're going to go back to I mean, Kanye. It happens anytime anyone releases anything and you hear something for the first time mm-hmm. live. Like, if you go to a show and you hear a really good artist perform a song live and then you go home and you download the album... There's always going to be some kind of because that's I mean that's just the nature of a live performance is Mm -hmm. energy like just the energy of a live performance is always going to be sorry most of the time going to be when done properly because if if not they would just play the track and everybody would just stand there and listen to it yeah and I mean it's way more dynamic too if you especially the way Kendrick performs having all these live musicians Mm -hmm. that all have their own aura and energy on stage as well and have something to offer the experience as opposed to for example untitled eight which he had performed on colbert like that's just a loop of a track behind him so there's no you're missing a lot of that dynamic and i'm sure kendrick would feed off of that dynamic when performing it and as a result you get a totally different track but i do understand what you're saying um and i think i'm i've been trying really hard to separate the album versions from the live versions because i'm aware that it's kind of unfair yeah i mean i guess that's what i'm struggling with yeah i loved live performances so much to jack's point it's not even the energy too it's just the tempo wise too Uh, untitled threes way quicker than the live performance that he really paced on colbert's last show um so it's not just the energy some of the songs are really different uh, I thought the Grammy track was also a little different. Is that Untitled 5, I think? Well, no, the Grammy, the, he just performed a, pe- a piece of that verse. That's right. Over, I think, an Amon Amari It was a instrumental medley, yeah, okay. At the Grammys. So at the Grammys, it was an Amon Amari instrumental, and then he just did that verse from yeah. Untitled 5, I think it yeah. was. But I was on Jack's side, too. I don't know if you remember, but <clears throat> because the internet was one of my favorite albums, is one of my favorite albums ever and i went to watch donald perform it live and then for maybe six months after that anytime we were in the car and i played because the internet i would play these like shitty live versions of it just because (laughs) just because like crawl just is Mm. so different live than it is on the album it's very laid back and tonally whereas he's just jumping around on stage and that's something that i totally agree with jack i just had to personally get through that and just understand that that's the magic of a live performance and that's the privilege we get from watching a live performance um as opposed to listen to the audio version for the longest time i thought we weren't gonna ever get uh cdqs of any of these songs yeah. do you think that would have been more interesting um i think it would have i wouldn't have been mad i'm so glad we have it but i don't think i would have been mad at it because mm-hmm. i get kind of how every time anyone would ask kendrick i think he would say like either him or like you know think pieces would talk about how kendrick was giving us the moment right. you know and how these these performances existed in a moment and only in a moment you know they weren't a piece of something they were just those songs existed you know exclusively in that space which was special and we don't really get that especially now in this kind of microwave culture that we live in today um and 10 years down the line it would have been cool to be like yo that that one time he performed that one song (laughs) yeah ever you know what i mean uh but 
but I think, I mean, I think I get, I get two things. I get why they released it. I mean, dude, he put a, he's making money off a bunch of throwaway songs. Yeah, they put it on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. Like as a label, that's so genius to just yeah. like wait a year, almost to the date. Like, it's yeah, it, March fifteenth. Yeah, so almost exactly a year after Pimp a Butterfly put out another album without really having to record any <laughs> right. material and it's like low-key been promo because of the performances right so now it's like oh those songs you wanted to hear here they are yeah and another thing is i get why they didn't make the album uh oh yeah they definitely sound a lot rougher and they wouldn't necessarily fit in as much to the narrative as exactly the but, songs it, but that you made heard <clears throat> some of the intro and outros of all the tracks it's like a chapter that was cut from the album right that yeah. uh Hip hip or pimp pimp, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, hooray! Mm-hmm. That whole section that's on like three tracks, and right. I think that was a a chapter of that long story that he was telling that was just cut out completely. Yeah, it was. I mean, just the album was so tight to pimp. A, excuse me, to pimp a butterfly was so tight. Yeah, that it's hard to take anything else and replace it. I mean, maybe how much a dollar costs, which might be like the flattest song for me on the album you could have maybe replaced that with like untitled three six or eight for me though the content was important for the album yeah but for an album that got progressively preachy but even even untitled eight is a similar that's right concept concept and and materialism and in a more personal way yeah Kev, what did you think of you you heard the least amount of it are you excited to go back and listen to it or yeah i think I'll be listening to it somewhat, um, but it's some. I, I feel like I'll probably get tired of it soon, though. Okay. Because it, it has that certain style to it, and it happened to me with like "To Pimp a Butterfly." Yeah. When like it came out, I just got like a huge dose of it the first week, and then after that, I like never. He's very unforgiving with that style that he has now. And if you don't like it, he's not. It doesn't sound like he's compromising. Again, no. these were recorded around that time, so we don't know mm-hmm. any of his music. No, yeah, music, like but... it has, to me, I don't know, it has like similar sounds to like Pimple Butterfly. Yeah. But also, you know, having this come out and having tracks be from like 2013, it also ties into the Good Kid Mass City short film coming out, you know, years later. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I, I'm not mad at all at that pattern of having things take this long to come out i think it's interesting so part of me is really happy about this because it shows the transparency if we get an insight of the i think you were talking about this we get some insight of the creative process behind making the album right a lot of the stuff that didn't make it and he kind of walks you through that just it by the date so what makes this different from because i don't really like the nature of spitting out an album of scraps and throwaways and then calling it an album making it your own for example if you're reading this it's too late i wasn't a fan of that movement um i know that's a very personal thing but what makes this different from one of those albums i mean i think it was like you're talking about soft last like the fact that he called it untitled unmastered the tracks don't have any names yeah i think that speaks volumes to just the nature of it and you could it was just organic too yeah he doesn't make it anything more than what it really is like he doesn't try to dress it up and pass it off as a full album like 
you know yeah which is almost like a humble brag to me it's almost like it is yeah it's almost like yeah, yeah whatever I'd say <laughs> the only with if you're reading this too it's too late i don't like it either listening i'd say the only defense that i'd support in terms of that was that trick was trying to get out of his contract yeah and that helped him do it so that's the only that's the only issue. plus and thing i agree with for that but yeah otherwise yeah a, a cool little tidbit uh there's a there's an interview on spin with anna wise who if you don't know anna she's the vocalist on a bunch of kendrick stuff everything, everything from <laughs> from way back from good kid mad city to you know these walls and a bunch of if she's not featured on the song she's doing background vocals she's yeah. doing writing and again such a good combo the two of them yeah they just no. fit so well together yeah and um she was talking about how untitled three they wrote that the night before the colbert performance wow so like they were in the studio the day before working on it um untitled eight when he performed it on Colbert again, she did all of the background vocal stuff the day before the Colbert performance. And I think I told you guys like she was on Instagram, like in the studio, yeah, kind of like she showing clips and clips of them tracking the song. And uh, a cool little tidbit that she she had mentioned in the interview was the process, like the creative process seems so organic. There were times where they were all in the studio together. For hours at a time i know that terrace martin who's a producer and plays saxophone he doesn't like the tv being on or anything in the studio so it's like they all get in a room together and kendrick will basically lead this creative session but the way anna describes it is that you know anna's a firecracker thundercat's a firecracker like you know uh Kamasi Washington's a firecracker. All these musicians are all these firecrackers, and Kendrick's just walking around with a lighter, <laughs> just kind of like lighting them all like, awesome. when the time is right, you know. And it's just beautiful, man. It's just it just speaks. That's why the quality is so. You have so many creative, talented people, and then you have this like ringleader in Kendrick who understands everybody's value and everybody's talent, and has such a clear idea of what he wants that even his throwaways are exceptional yeah i don't because they're they're great from like their inception yeah you know yep and let's go to a song break be right back in olden days a glimpse of stocking was looked down as something shocking now heaven knows anything Good authors, too, who once knew better words, now only use for letter words, writing prose. Anything goes. The world has gone mad today, and good's bad today. And he's blank today, and black's white today. And most guys today, the woman prize today. I just And though I'm not a great romancer, I know you're bad. When we propose Anything goes Go Go Woo! 
today And most guys today The woman cries today Are just silly gigolos And though we're not such great romances We know that we're bound to answer When we propose Welcome back to Group Chat, everybody. Your number one jazz standard station. That was Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett with Anything Goes. Which, uh, it's a great transition to our next segment. Book Club. Book Club. Yeah. Book Club. So, Book Club is a segment where we have a weekly assignment of either album, movie, documentary, anything in any medium, and we just talk about it openly. And we do this so that we can have an open conversation about it, uh, where we can just kind of prep everybody for the conversation so that if you want to be a part of this conversation, you can tweet us or email us at 1234groupchat at gmail.com. And this way we can just not hold back. We kind of assume that we've all experienced experienced this together, and yeah, we we're just... gonna spoil the hell out of this album. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that plot twist at the end, guys? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Jack, I guess you quasi assigned it. Why don't you uh, tell us your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Want, I'd rather hear what you guys think first. But this was an album that I heard right when it came out and I've really been into for a while I still listen to it a lot so it's Cheek to Cheek by Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga collaboration album and yeah what do you guys think I can go first because it'll be kind of quick this this week will be kind of like what Jack did last week (laughs) (laughs) with the documentary (laughs) so very quickly I just uh, this is This is basically a standards album. It's a jazz standards album. These are songs that if you were in any, you know, jazz band in school or if you follow jazz at all, like these are all staples of the genre. And Tony Bennett is a legend. He's great at what he does. Lady Gaga has crazy pipes, so she's she was holding her own throughout the whole album. But the whole the whole time I just kept thinking this would be so much more interesting if it was Amy. Winehouse. I mean, look, I'm insanely big Amy Winehouse fan, but and Tony Bennett and Amy Winehouse have done a song together, Body and Soul. Yeah. Which is a really great song. But I still think Yeah, I mean, obviously it's yeah. that would have been an amazing album too, but I still love this one. Yeah, I like I mean I like it sounds really good. Lady Gaga is a really good singer, but to me, Lady Gaga is what Jennifer Lawrence is to Juan, where I mm. appreciate her, I understand, you know, her value as a musician, and I and I don't deny that she's a great singer, but for whatever reason, she just doesn't do it for me. Like, she didn't do it for me when she sang at the Super Bowl halftime show. She didn't do it for me when she sang at the Oscars, as great as the song is. I just... Something about her voice, for me, is just very 
I don't know, basic. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm never blown away by her. I think it's maybe her tone or, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But again, this album was her killing it. But I would, I, I can't gravitate towards her vocally where I, I don't find her voice interesting. I find it pleasant to listen to, but I don't find it interesting. Like I find Amy's voice interesting. Um, that being said, they, they do sound like they're really enjoying making the album, mm-hmm. which is great to hear. And the guitarist on the album, I'm going to fact check and come back to that. But the guitarist on the album, for whatever reason, just stuck out to me. Like he killed it for me. Like, and it, I don't know why, but I just kept thinking, damn, this guitar is fucking killing, man. Like, and it, Lady Gaga's on top, like, ah, la, 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 like killing it, but I'm just <laughs> listening to the guitars. But I don't know. Maybe it's a combination of just the fact that I'm so familiar with these songs. I played them from when I was like, you know, 12 or 13 in like my middle school jazz band that I'm just, when I hear these songs, I'm, I always gravitate towards them when they're done in a, di- in a different way. And I feel like they were just done in a very great but maybe safe way. Just to go off a couple of things you said, one with the comparison to like J-Law, it's funny because when we were talking about that, I said I haven't really seen her in anything outside of David O. Russell's movies. Mm-hmm. And with Lady Gaga, I don't listen to her at all otherwise. And right. <laughs> I wasn't like blown away by like the you Oscar or Super Bowl either, but this album to me, it's like her living within Tony Bennett's world is like Jennifer yeah. Lawrence within David, David O'Russell's Russell. world to me. Yeah. Jack just knows what to watch and what to listen to. <laughs> he doesn't waste the time on bullshit. Yeah, no time wasted. <laughs> and then also, just one more quick note before Kevin Joan, you were mentioning the songbook stuff and... For me, I didn't grow up with those songs. Like, I listened to jazz, but I didn't have... I wasn't playing those songs. I wasn't as familiar. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the purpose of this album was introducing these songs to a whole new generation of kids. Agree. And I think they did that successfully. Agree. 100%. And again, I'm not... I did not like this. No, no, no. I actually really like it because of what you're saying, like kind of the the point of it and the execution is great. But again, I all of these songs have been done better. And like I've heard them been done better mm. a bunch of different times, you know. That being said, I agree with you. I mean, it's really this was this album was promoted like in subways all over New York. It was promoted on a bunch of award shows where you're right, like it's getting introduced to a bunch of new kids that might not otherwise listen to this music. Yeah. So, And I'm always for that. Always, always for that. Kev, what did you think? Um, okay, so <laughs> the album wasn't that bad at all. But to me, it goes like with the song that started, Anything Goes, is just the song that just played. I heard the song and I'm like, wow, this is like surprisingly not bad at all like this is good Lady Gaga's voice is probably like the best I have heard from her cause I have unlike Jack heard her past work and not the biggest fan <laughs> and I hear the tracks and well I hear that track and I'm like oh this is good let's go to the next song and it's 
And it's not bad, but it's similar. And then it goes to the third song. And then it, I'm like, it feels exactly like the song I just heard. And to me, it just, like, every song was, like, at the same level. It stayed, I guess it's, like, consistent, but it was all, like, the same sound to me. It wasn't, although it's not, some songs slow down and some different instruments are brought up, but it's like the type of music, the jazz music, to me, it all sounds similar. And, yeah, it's not, but, like, opposite to Soft Glass, I actually liked her voice a lot more on this than in anything else that she had worked on. But this was probably the last time I'll ever hear this album again. Like Jack Laz with um, Jito's <laughs> sushi video. The only reason I got through it was because it was like assigned. But that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just like I'm not used to it. I'm... You don't, get it, me. I don't get it, man. You don't get it, dude. <laughs> what that's, is music? That's like, uh, <laughs> it's my favorite part about Book Club. If Jack hadn't assigned this, I probably would have never listened to it. And my perception of Lady Gaga would have always been somebody trying to do like weird shit. And mm. oh, wow factor, Gaga. I don't know if anyone calls her that. I just made that up. I know she's, again, that's Lady Gaga's very talented, very celebrated. Um, but it's just not my style of thing. Mm style of thing <laughs> I listened to this album when I got off the train going to work and uh, my commute to work it's on 34th street we're right across from the Empire State Building and it just reminded me of like old New York right yeah oh yeah was, I forgot to bring that up because we briefly like mentioned we it talked before, about because you yeah. said it reminds me of old New York and I'm like yeah the whole time I'm listening to this if you've ever been to a Yankee game they play like a bunch of Sinatra and which I haven't yeah. and you told me about that and I'm now considering going to a Yankee game because yeah, that is awesome <laughs> I was like oh it reminds me of going to the Yankee Stadium but that's like the only way I related to this album. yeah it was all very consistent the the instrumentals were clean. Everything was really mm -hmm. clean. I've got a personal connection to uh, It Don't Mean a Thing because your boy killed it when he was in grade school <laughs> and he had a performance. <laughs> doop, 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 doop. Is there footage of this? There might be. My mom might Maybe. Have she, she recorded everything. I'm doing like snapping along and don't <laughs> mean a thing. If it ain't got that swing. But I liked it. I liked it. I thought her voice was... I'm actually on the other end of that. I thought in the... What was the first track called? Anything goes. Anything goes. I thought she kind of like her voice was sort of piercing at times, but other than that, the rest, literally the rest of the album, it was just that one song. She she killed it, and Tony Bennett killed it. Yeah, it, was, it was fun. I don't think I'll I'll go back to it, but it was all just very almost all one tempo, just swinging your yeah. way through. And I'm really glad I listened to it. And it's great to see that <clears throat> it means something to you uh, personally, because. I guess that was the whole point that you just talked about. You wouldn't have listened to these tracks otherwise, and you hadn't unless this was, um, unless this came out when it came out. And just I just think of like the little kids who, who were yeah. never introduced to that, who didn't have to sing it in grade school, and they like Lady Gaga, and they're like, oh, look at this stuff. And then that just opens the floodgates for researching a ton of other classical music. So, mm -hmm. yeah, really cool. And there hasn't been, you know, jazz albums at this size that have come out in recent years, you know. Not even yeah. just in terms of, like, audience, but something different, you know? Yeah. And also some, like, background stuff with the album. Gaga 
at the time she had just like had surgery she departed from her manager and she was feeling really depressed about kind of her place in music like she felt that everyone was trying to take advantage of her and they were using like autotune and all this stuff and she said she couldn't sleep and she felt dead and then she spent a lot of time with Tony Bennett and he basically she said he wanted nothing but my friendship and my voice and just to keep it raw and like just sing as awesome. naturally as you can she'd actually been singing jazz since she was young you could tell yeah you could tell yeah and her parents were into jazz and all that and i think it really she said it herself like he like saved her life like she, wow. he helped her through a really hard time with this album too and we've talked before about celebrities and big Star artists Island. who get looked at one way and just get written off and i think she's one of those artists by a lot of people and maybe some heard this album and changed their mind i know that some people it did maybe some didn't even give it a chance because of that um well but i thought it was and they're like they're past they're both italian americans they actually live nearby each other in the city they both have a strong connection to family they're similar than a lot of people more similar than a lot of people think yeah and they had actually done a song for on the same album that we were saying that Tony Bennett and Amy Winehouse song it was called Duets 2 where basically he was working with other artists and they had a song on that yeah and that album won a grammy and this album Cheek to Cheek actually won a grammy also yeah for best traditional pop vocal album and it's gone on to sell over a million copies they're still they're still touring it yeah oh okay this is how i know they're still touring it this is a uh, like this is really funny so recently like late 2015 i went to la for just like um I was playing these shows and it was me and my friend Francesco who plays drums and he was part of the band I was with and we were on our way back to New York and it was like a really late flight like super late flight and it was kind of empty and we get back to New York and as we're coming off the plane I have my keyboard like I have my big MIDI keyboard on me and Francesco has his drums on him like his cymbals and stuff and one of the captains of the plane is like saying goodbye to people as they get off the plane He was like, "Oh, you guys in the band?" And like we didn't know what he was talking about. We were like, "Yeah." And he was like, "Oh, man. That's great. You know, I know you guys are going to have a great show." And I was like, oh, "How did Wait, what?" And he was like, "Yeah, when is the show? It's tomorrow, right?" And I was like, "What? Wait, hold on. What are we talking about?" He was like, "You guys you guys are in Gaga's band, right?" And we were like, "What?" And then Gaga had like forgotten her glasses and came back. to like pick up the glasses and so the guy thought we were in Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga's band but we were stupid because we were like oh no nah, dude sorry no nah, different band we're in a different band yeah, you should have rode that we should have ridden it out we should have like oh, yeah, tried we killed it. it yesterday yeah. oh yeah, yeah big time and then it's one of those like those movies like you actually she actually believes you're in the, in the band, band and yeah. then you play the show and then like you know my career takes off as Gaga's I would have yeah. played like I would have added like the trap drums to yeah the records exactly And then uh, one last thing with this album 
Tony Bennett became topped his own record of the oldest musician to have a number one record. Wow! And mm-hmm. he's in his late eighties now. And good for him. He's sounds made, great. He's yeah. made over fifty, sixty albums, and Jeez. he just keeps getting better and better. He sounds great. Yeah, he sounds so good for eighty something. That's crazy. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like Joan said, I think with book club. We all hear things differently. We all see things differently. Yeah. So for me, you know, this just, it came for whatever reason when I heard it and it still rings true. It's just a special album for me. And like even all the production, like all the little notes, just they ring in a special way. And like I've said with other albums before, it feels like an album that I've been waiting to hear like my whole life. So yeah, did you get that sense of nostalgia for something that you never heard growing up? No, but it did remind me of like New York City late at night, Upper West Side type yeah. vibes. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, and also you've had a lot of time to marinate with it. Yeah, you know, it's you've had time to digest it, whereas we've heard it you know once. Yeah, through so. But that's good. I mean, one day, now that I have listened to it, maybe one day I'll go back to it and on a specific day at a specific time, it'll just mean something totally different. Yeah. And that's music. Yeah. Speaking of music, let's go to a song break. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back. And stick around for later. We will assign next week's uh, book club. So we'll be right back. station for remixes by people who were remixed and covered by rihanna yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was miguel waves the tame impala remix so kev run us through wait is it that time sports 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 time it is it okay run us through it ufc 196 (laughs) happened (laughs) which is a big deal Pretty big meal. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, you guys can't see anything right now, but we're eating some plantain chips. <laughs> Shout out to Trader Joe's uh, hummus. 
And plantain chips. This episode is brought to you by Trader Joe's Hummus and plantain <laughs> chips. Plug. Plug, 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 plug. So you might hear some crunches and yeah, <laughs> everything or, you or don't want to hear in a podcast. <laughs> Joan just slowly reached over to get one. We're trying not to make any any of the the bag sounds. But the bags, yeah. Yeah. UFC right. one nine six. Two Ooh. underdogs came up last night on Conor McGregor. Said last night, but this happened Saturday <laughs> this, uh, night. Saturday night, yeah. Um, Conor McGregor loses to Nate Diaz by submission. Huge upset. Huge upset, dude. You know this guy's vegan. Oh, that was deep. Like I saw that this morning. I don't know. Wow, that's deep. The guy who won, yeah, vegan. Because I saw that when they did like the whole weigh-in stuff, he didn't look like muscular at all. Like he's you know lean and whatnot, mm-hmm. but so Conor was on Conan. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. And he categorized Nate Diaz's body as like he's like he's one of those fat skinny guys, you know. Yeah, what I'm talking about? it's weird. He's really tall and he's got a little. He's got some love handles, but he's he's skinny. Like he's, yeah. he's a skinny dude. But yeah, he he lost won. Yeah, him. which was a huge upset. A little bit of background: uh, Connor went up two weight classes to fight this guy. Mm-hmm. That's how confident he was. And this guy is actually like three or four inches taller. He's than got he's like six foot. He's six foot. Connor's a short dude, like five eight, five nine. Yeah, and he's got some leg, but he didn't beat him with a knockout or anything mm-hmm. using his height. He <clears throat> choked he, him out. He choked him out. Mm-hmm. Submission, yeah. And Which is even more surprising because that's Connor's. You would think that's the route he would take because he's mm-hmm. much smaller and much more agile than him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is the food catching up? <laughs> but in similar fashion, Holly Holm lost to Misha Tate. What's what? Like, no one. I didn't know who she I was. Had, no. I mean, we all know Holly Holm because she beat. To be Ronda fair, Rousey. the four of us aren't. We're not huge on UFC. No, we're not. But we do cover the major stuff. Mm-hmm. And Holly Holm, how do we know her? From beating Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey. Yeah. And now we're gonna know <laughs> Misha Tate for beating Holly Holm. That's the way these things work, mm-hmm. unless you're really into it. But she also got choked out, I believe. <clears throat> yeah. It was a fifth round submission. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy because apparently Holly Holmes was or Holly Holm was controlling the entire fight and winning the fight. Mm-hmm. You gotta if you don't get that knockout, nothing's oh, same for thing sure. With, yeah. um, Nate Diaz, he was super bloody. Um, bloody. He had a huge guys, cut over his eyes. Yeah, leaking. Like his face was completely red by the end of the fight. But yeah, moving on to a little bit of football. Um, Peyton Manning is officially retiring, guys. Yep. Good. Good idea. Yeah, that's <laughs> for the best. Going yeah. out of champ, but he's going out on top. There was actually this list of like stats of the records that he's yeah. going up on top. That's number one of like the eleven top records he has, and it's insane. Like it's everything any quarterback would want. He has like the most touchdown throws in a game in a season, and overall, Jeez. same thing with yards. Same thing with games won. And of course, ending with a Super Bowl win. And yeah, yeah. that's how you want to go out. Yeah. I don't. I don't usually promote the NFL, but if you can, check their Instagram page because they had a ton of really cool uh, animated kind of uh, infographics of Peyton Manning's records and stuff, like the most re- the most receptions by his receivers, which yeah. is by the way Rodney Harrison. Uh, then like Reggie Wayne and it's it's just really cool the way they organize Rodney Marvin Marvin Harrison I'm sorry <laughs> Rodney Harrison was the safety for the Patriots right who would always pick Peyton off so it's always funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah but they've got a ton of really cool infographics they've been putting them out all day Sunday so or last Sunday so, so yeah check that out 
But we'll probably be talking about these records sometime soon because Tom Brady is like really close <laughs> behind him on everything. Yeah. Oh, and just to bring that up real quick, he got an extension. I don't know if you guys saw. For how long? Uh, he got an extra year, so he's now with the Patriots through the 2017-2018 season. Okay. So. I can see Tom playing for another like he's five good. years. He's good. He still has it. At least five years. Especially the way he plays. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And he's not... He doesn't look physically... I feel like he's in the best shape d- of his life. Yeah. <laughs> he was yeah. in horrible shape when he started out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, going into college football a bit, Ivy League schools now are trying to remove tackling from practices. No, they did. It's done. Oh, yeah. So they did remove tackling from practices. What do you guys think about that? Wait, only Ivy League schools? Yeah. So far, them, but they're hoping to, like, set the tone or the example and... All the smart schools. Yeah. <laughs> They're the one with the most research probably on concussions and whatnot. Yeah. Or, you know, one with a theater. You know, just watch that movie Concussion. Very, <laughs> very blatantly uh, addresses that. But I think that's good. I mean, there are two sides of this, right? Like, you won't ever be fully prepared for a game. And then there's the other side of, well, you're being... It's all football anyway. I mean, it's all... Mm-hmm. I guess the the less amount of tackles, the better. But I think I it'll show with research too, like as time goes on. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. What if they just start like their defense starts sucking that? <laughs> just because? Oh they're yeah, not no, they're getting... do- they're totally gonna get blown out like every game. Yeah. But, well, they're Ivy League schools. They were never really yeah, they were never really football anyway. Football. But just the fact that they're doing it hopefully sends mm-hmm. out a good message. That yeah, being said, the future of the sport can only be saved if they move to flags instead of tackling. <laughs> it won't matter if you tackle <laughs> three thousand times or two thousand times. It's mm-hmm. all gonna affect your brain. Yeah. And moving on to March Madness. March Madness is here, but. Before we get to the actual playing in the games, there's this whole controversy thing going on with the people storming the courts, which is something like, it's become like a tradition now Yeah, that we see anytime there's a big game, everyone just runs to the court. And I've stormed the court before. Oh, for real? Yeah, and so we, uh, my sophomore or junior year, we beat Duke, who was number one at the time. And Ooh. Florida State. Yeah, and we stormed the court. And it was awesome. <laughs> it was amazing. I wish I could have. Yeah, that sounds super fun. But basically, it's just so dangerous. You probably know that since you were really in it. It's just think of like Black Friday, people storming into Walmart. It's something like that of that nature. Um, there's in the article we read in the Times. There's actually a coach that got his leg broken during this. Oh my God! Yeah. Like he was saying, he says it's like a short story of how it happened. That they just had one. It's Iowa State, I believe, the head coach. They were like walking off to go to the press thing. And everyone starts coming off and he fell. And then he says he looked at his leg and he said his foot was pointing somewhere else. Oh that it wasn't God, supposed that to. that is brutal. And stuff like that. But there's actually, schools are starting to like set rules and well it's conferences conferences and penalizing like certain schools yeah like in the big east you can get fined like f- between five and twenty five thousand five and twenty five thousand dollars if the school gets fined yeah yeah wow. if they're storming or if they don't try to prevent cause sometimes you can't like, yeah yeah i don't know twenty thousand students trying to get into a court <laughs> with 
20 security guards, you're not going to yeah, do it's, much. Yeah, it's tough. But, yeah, and there's actually been, um, I believe, I, no, not you, but I had it here, but basically some schools had um, gotten fined like 100000 before. For repeat fines. For repeat fines, yeah. Cause like every time you do it, the fine goes up. Okay. Yeah, you start at 5 to 25 for first-time offenders. That's the range. But when it becomes, you know, something that they do all the time, it goes to like 100,000 and who knows. It sounds effective, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's how the school's going to do anything about it. Any university ever just take money out of their wallets. I don't think they should remove it though. I think there's a middle ground between setting precautions and some type of safety system and just getting rid of it because I think it's such an important part of college basketball and it mm-hmm. it's part of what makes it so mm-hmm. exciting. I agree. No, so I, agree. For, I really hope they don't completely get rid of it and find a different solution that's safe but still keeps that energy going. Actually, it's unforgettable. Like That's such a crazy moment for the players too. I mean, you think about... A lot of these schools who do storm the court, it's because they usually suck and they beat someone that's <laughs> no, really yeah, good. It's, you it's know? A big moment. Or yeah. It's, yeah, it's usually either an underdog wins an upset or yeah. a school Some, wins a big like title or right, something. Yeah, right. But the the schools are actually Vanderbilt and Auburn that got fined like a hundred thousand wow. for because of multiple defenses. But yeah, and then with college basketball, also UNC. Just clutched on Saturday night against Duke. They won. They are now the winners of the ACC, and they got a number one seed mm-hmm. in the tournament with that. Wow. Duke was number one, right? And with the no, Duke was number two. And with the loss, I think they went to like number four. But wow. Yeah. And then IU, Indiana University, also won the Big Ten against Iowa. Yogi Ferrell, senior point guard, who's like the leader of their team, hit a big shot in the final minute to win it. And this is their second Big Ten championship in four years under Tom Crean, who has really, <clears throat> really helped steer them in a good direction. And I'm a bit biased with IU because my mom's <laughs> side of the family is from Indiana. So they all root for them and so do I and yeah. it's mm-hmm. exciting to see them moving like this and I think Yogi's doing really good and it's we'll see how they do in the tournament yeah when does the tournament start? in like late mid late March cool mm-hmm. so we'll, brackets? we'll definitely be covering that we might make yeah. a bracket I might yeah. make a bracket okay. I haven't <clears throat> I haven't in a while I, I last never time. made a bracket one and it was a joke <laughs> like i just picked everything i got it line. i got it i won my bracket when uh kemba walker and yukon won oh sorry. so i yeah. called that one and then because i was in college i was really into marsh madness but it was so much fun it's so much fun mm. i can't wait to see like obama's last bracket as the president <laughs> yeah it's gonna be great um and final sports news let's get into some some baseball yeah um no, <laughs> our guy soft glasses on Snapchat now, but now he can check out all the MLB teams that are now in partnership with Snapchat. I don't know if you guys seen, but 
Snapchat is partnered with MOB, and there's such a thing called the Snap Bat, <laughs> ah, wow. which is literally a bat that you hold up and you take like selfies with. You attach your phone, so, so it's like a really? selfie stick with oh, a bat. Okay. Yeah, with like cool. a bat. It actually made like an appearance in the 2015 All Star Game. I remember watching like all the big stars with like this huge red bat just taking selfies. It looks so want, weird. I would love for that to just kind of be for Snapchat to just take over baseball. So you get a camera on every bat ever, and anytime they hit a home run, they they <laughs> they take a video selfie of like, yeah, I just hit. So you get the live reaction of them hitting a home run, and then while they're running, you get the. <laughs> Right? And, then, and then you get the slide. And then, I mean, they don't carry the bat around you know, the bases to, with them going Well, no, the they would now. It's a great arm workout. That way you also can tell if it was a bona fide slider or not. That's right. You know what I mean? You get the bona, and then you, you get the high fives when they're walking in. It's, so you're right there. That's yeah. big for the sport. But, well, basically the snap, um, the snap bat or the Snapchat collaboration, they can only use it in spring training and in like the dugout. Or before the games. Oh, missed opportunity. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know, but there's like a rule that there's supposed to be like no technology in the dugout during a real game. Okay. But it's, it's spring training, so I don't think they care much. But so we probably won't see that in the regular season. So you can't watch TV while you're. Can't go on Twitter. And <laughs> can't go on Twitter. None of that. <laughs> this game right now, comma LMAO. <laughs> period. <laughs> Yo, baseball's making some moves. We got the bona fide cam last week. Yes. That's right. <laughs> now we got the snapback bat, snap bat, snapback, Snapchat bat. I'm I'm proposing we bring back technology in the dugout. I would love to get some live feed tweets straight from the players. Like Paris. My, bad, a, like my huge, bad about that last series. <laughs> right? There was like actually you get like some... a huge controversy last year. I don't know if you remember Pablo Sandoval from the Red Sox. He got like taken out of game and he went downstairs to the dugout and he like posted an Instagram pic. Oh, I do remember this. I remember this. And like he got so much shit in the media for that. Like this is what you're doing when you should be winning or yeah. focusing on winning. That's great. Yeah, that's funny. Um, some some news for you for you guys in Cuba. Um, the um, Tampa Bay Double Rays are gonna play a game out there March twenty second. First okay. team to do that since the Orioles in ninety nine. Oh, that's big. Dope. That's awesome. We're playing it in Havana against the National Cuban team. Dope. So Tampa Bay might lose because that Cuban <laughs> team's tough. <laughs> hey, man, Cubans are tough. <laughs> But yeah, and supposedly like Obama is supposed to be there. And, like, oh, that's it's awesome. supposed to be like a whole event. Like, that's you know, so cool. Kind of bringing peace between yeah. the nations. And according to Jawan, that's right. This is the I lied when <laughs> I said thing. final news. <laughs> Can I take this one? Take it, take it. I got to take this one. Uh, LeBron James officially <laughs> might, maybe, maybe. Possibly. We might consider this a rumor. <laughs> he might come back to Miami next year. <laughs> so look, I know what you're thinking. There's still so much time left this season. Yeah. What, made, what made you think that though? What, what, so, what was said out there? See, what had happened was he tweeted a what did he he tweeted like this long apology, I guess, or something. No, he okay. So he uh, he was in Miami. He, yes. Cleveland had like four days off between games, and so he went down. Not that they played Miami or anything. He just happened to be in Miami. Yeah, like they. It was just a four day. So he was like working out with D Wade or something. Yeah, yeah he went down to Miami and worked out with D Wade. Like him and his wife were down there, and then that like that morning or something, he had tweeted out. Like sometimes you make mistakes. You gotta, live, <laughs> you gotta live with them and blah blah blah. And so it was just so funny. It comes up wrong, right? Well, 
LeBron is the king of like subliminal messages. subliminal tweets. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he has always been subliminally tweeting. If you if you look back, he called it a while away before he went to the Cavs. Like, and his wife like tweeted something or something. He he. You can you can trace those steps before he he decided to leave Miami and go back to the Cavs. Yeah. He's always been big on that, and he's been really open about it. But it was just funny because every you know how if you click on a tweet, you'll see all the replies. So every reply on that tweet was like Miami memes. It was like him winning the championship in Miami, <laughs> like him hugging Bosh and Wade, and it was like him holding up a sign that was like Photoshop said Miami 2016. So it's just funny. So yeah. and, and then the Heat technically could sign him because they've been clearing their cap space this whole year for what people thought was like an attempt to get Kevin Durant this yep. offseason but it's just funny because technically there's a like a 1% chance that it could happen it's like a but 1% chance no, like, just... and it, I don't know if you guys have seen but like the Cavs are going through like some clubhouse problems yeah right now. no for sure the, like they're not happy right now like Kyrie's <laughs> Kyrie's not playing well like, he doesn't like the role that he's in right now they've had drama with Kevin Love since Kev he came Love, on board yeah. things are getting better for them and they're doing a lot better it's just got a coaching change like, <clears throat> LeBron just hasn't he's been LeBron's was a huge part of that yeah the coaching transition and it's just funny because now you look at the teams and Miami's in a way better he would have a way better supporting cast in Miami <laughs> in a system that he knows he's won a championship with a coach. He, and he would finally he get a true center, which he's never with had white side. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, it's just. I feel I, like you guys are trying to persuade LeBron if you're listening. LeBron, if you're listening, man, please, <laughs> please. please he's already, can, I, we can't ask him for too much. He already asked for the Kendrick Untitled album and we got that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. It's just something funny to go off of. I mean, this isn't really news. It's a rumor mill. That being said, the way mm-hmm. this unfolds between now and the free agency next it's year. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. This offseason is going to be great. It's going to be It's going to be great. So we're calling it now. This will be uh, a trending story. <laughs> so <laughs> check this chat. out. Playoffs happen. What if Miami beats Cleveland Which is in a, a series? <laughs> oh. Does LeBron James take off his <clears throat> Cleveland jersey and put on a Miami one after the game? <laughs> He would like be the most hated player ever. In any <laughs> he sport. already is. Who That's cares? the thing that I think the only thing that would keep it from actually being a reality is his public his image. He's worked yeah. so hard to rebuild mm-hmm. twice, twice. So, but yeah. So that's it for sports. We'll be right back after a quick song. Oh, Jesus, Juwan. Right. <laughs> Kevin Juwan. All right. We'll be right back after a quick song break, and uh, we'll also. Assign next week, next week's book club. All right, we'll be right back. Bye.
second, take a breath, learn a lesson. Your number one alternative R&B station. That was Kilo Quiche with Fulfillment. So guys, we talked about it. And uh, it's time to assign next week's book club. Kev, your turn. I think we're going to go with Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. That's a good one. Stanley Kubrick, we we talked about him today and his... Mastery of editing and visual storytelling. So I'm Never excited. Seen it. I don't think any of us have. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's gonna be great. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. That was episode eight. That wraps it up for this week. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Dash Radio. Uh, let's plug time. Plug time. Plug time. Plug time. Plug. <laughs> All right, Jack. Where can we find you? Imagination detonation on Instagram. ID plus NYC on Twitter. Nice. Juwan, where can we find you? At Juwan Gonzalez27 on both Twitter and Instagram. Nice. Kev, where can we find you? You can find me at same old cat on everything. Nice. Now, did you say we could find you on same old cat? On everything. On everything. Same old cat. He said same old cat. No, and good. you can find yeah, yeah that's really good you that's good uh kind of yeah and you can find me at soft glass with one s on everything instagram twitter snapchat and uh that's it guys thank you so much for tuning in eight weeks in a row or you have it and this is your first time listening yep. and you'll never listen again because you hated it and it was terrible but uh feel <laughs> <Probably> bad <not>. <laughs> <laughs> feel free to hit us up uh through email so one two three four group chat at gmail.com or hit us up through our personal Twitters or whatever. Peace. Just be you. <laughs> Peace. Scoop chat. Later. Bow, bow, bow. Brandon.